Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Uh, We started last week a series called 40 Days, and this is um, the Lent season for the, the global church. This is a time where we walk with Jesus for 40 days in the wilderness. And so what we wanted to do is spend some time spotlighting spiritual practices over 40 days. And to do the things that we need to be doing all year long, but we want to do them with a special, extraordinary intensity in this season, because I believe that God wants to transform our walk with him, each one of us. He wants to transform that, and he does that through moments where we just kind of embrace something for the first time, or maybe in a greater measure. And so this past week, we talked about prayer, and we said that the Father treasures and rewards, prayers that are prayed in secret places. We looked at the the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches his followers about prayer, and we gave you guys a prayer challenge. I don't know if you did it. I hope you did it. Uh, I did it this week, praying morning and evening and praying for longer than usual, and it was so sweet, like just great times with the Lord, and uh, I hope that you did it. If you didn't, the Spirit show me right now who who did. No, I'm just joking. I'm going to call you by name. <laughs> no, this week, we're, we're going to spotlight the spiritual practice of Scripture. We're going to talk about reading the Scripture. Again, something that should mark our lives all year round. But this week, I want to challenge you to special intensity when it comes to reading the Scripture. Um, to do that, we're going to look at Psalm 19. If you have a copy of the Scriptures, you want to start going there with me. This is a Psalm of David. And this is a beautiful psalm. And I'll just remind you, psalms were songs. This was the Hebrew hymnal, okay? David wrote this one, and uh, it's beautiful. I'm going to start in verse 1, if you want to read with me. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day they pour out speech. Night after night they communicate knowledge. There's no speech, there are no words, their voice is not heard. Their message has gone out to the whole earth and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming from his home. It rejoices like an athlete running a course. It rises from one end of the heavens and circles to the other end. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Verse seven, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and are altogether righteous. 
They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Verse 12, who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule me. Then I will be blameless and cleansed from blatant rebellion. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. So here's this beautiful psalm that David's writing. It's a song, and verse one is all about the earth, the creation, the sun, the moon, the expanse. And he says that it's, it's telling the story that it's communicating something, that it crosses all the language barriers, it goes into all the earth, and that it's telling everyone that there's a God. And in Romans 1, uh, verse 20, Paul says that people are without excuse because the creation tells them there is a God. They see the beauty and the order, and it's like this the song of wonder of the beauty of the earth, the glory of it. But then in verse 7, he shifts. And he's like, but we have a word, an instruction, a written word from God. I just want to start with the question, do you have wonder for the word of God? Do you have a wonder for the word? I mean, think about that. God wrote a book. It's amazing. That God, who creates all this beauty and wonder, gives us written words. I was was flying back from Orlando this past week. We're at a conference, church conference, awesome time. I'm sitting next to another church planner from Houston, and we're talking. We're just talking the whole time. We just start, you know, it's like two hours go by. We're both supposed to work on our sermons. Instead, we started talking the whole time. And... As we're waiting to get off the plane, I'm watching all these people get out. I'm watching them pull all their luggage out of the overhead bins. I'm looking at like the the plane, how big it is, the wings, the structure, and I'm like, this thing just got 30,000 feet up in the air with all these people and all these bags and fuel. And I was just like, wow. Like that still blows my mind. But air travel is so familiar. Like you've probably all flown on a plane somewhere and it's like you get so used to doing something that you lose the wonder. And I think in our day and age, we, we have thanks to the reformers that, that wanted to get the word of God into the hands of regular believers. Some of them laid down their lives for that very reason. And thanks to the printing press that was invented not long after that, the the Bible goes everywhere. And now today, thanks to the internet and the smartphone, I have in my pocket the Bible, the, the word of God. In multiple translations, I can access multiple languages like that. And with all the accessibility and familiarity, I wonder if we lose the wonder that God gave us a word, a written word for us to read and to know and to understand who he is and what he's like. 
I think of uh, the prophet Isaiah. He says, all the people are like grass, right? It grows today. The sun comes and it withers and it's gone tomorrow. But he says, the word of the Lord stands forever. You've been given access to something that was here way before you were here. And it will be here way after you're gone. It is eternal. I think of Paul with young Timothy, and he's telling him that, um, that, that evil people are going to go from bad to worse. He said, hey, look, just so you know, it's just going to get worse. There are going to be imposters and evil people. But as for you, Timothy, my, my young protege, hang on to what you've learned. Remember what you've believed. Remember how from infancy you were taught the sacred scriptures that were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And then he gives him the mamba-jamba of all uh, scriptures about the Bible. And he says this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. He says it's inspired. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a, a, a church setting or a preaching setting where the pastor got so worked up that he makes up a new word. I don't know if you've ever seen that before in certain, in certain t- circles. I, that's probably more common where you just get carried away and you're excited and you kind of make a new word. Well, that's, that's kind of what Paul does here. He uses a word that is the first time it's ever recorded and it's the word for inspired by God. He's trying to communicate the authority and the inspiration of the Bible, and he takes these two words and he kind of jams them together, and it, it literally means God breathed. God breathed. And the word inspire, if you look at the Latin roots, it's literally in breath, to breathe in, to inhale, to fill. He says, look, God breathed into his Word. Now just think about that. Think about the, the awe and the wonder that human beings wrote words that God was breathing into that would be recorded for us. That we could have them in our pocket and take them into our lives. It's inspired. I uh, found a quote this week just to kind of help me wrap my mind around this word inspiration because inspiration is an idea that's kind of under attack in our age, right? We live in the, the age where in ivory towers, people are saying, well, no, the, the Greek or the Hebrew is lacking this or it means this. And so, you know, what the church has thought for 2,000 years is wrong and it's now this, or that's the day we live in. People question inspiration and authority. And I found this quote, it says, God so supernaturally directed the writers of scripture that without excluding their human intelligence, their individuality, their literary style, their personal feelings, or any other human factor, his own complete and coherent message to man was recorded in perfect accuracy. The very words of scripture bearing the authority of divine authorship. 
God's breathed into people and he didn't have to like take over their brains and start writing through their body. Like he used their human personality, their writing style, their individuality, and yet somehow his breath comes in and inspires words and the words that change us. Have we lost the wonder of the word? Have we lost this notion of a word that inspires us? My big idea this morning is this, that God breathed into his word so that his word might breathe into you. God breathed into his word so that his word might breathe into you. I, uh, I was laughing this week thinking about this word inspiration because my, uh, my parents uh, in their home, they get every catalog known to man gets mailed to their house. My mom has the spiritual gift of shopping. And so marketers have figured this out. They're like, send her every catalog you have, right? And so when we go there, we, we thumb through all this like massive stack of catalogs that are, that's in their house. And there's one called Inspired. And I like this catalog, okay? I'm not gonna lie, I really like it because it's like a curated list of like really cool gadgets and like home decor and furniture and all these like really cool products all into this one thing and it's inspired. And I feel a little inspired just talking about it, right? I just, I, I geek out over that kind of stuff. But I was thinking about how in our hearts, there really is a thirst for inspiration. That there's something about us as human beings that, that we desire to be inspired and marketers use that against us. They say, look, hey, if you will give us your money and buy this good or this product or this service, you're gonna feel inspired, right? If, if you will redecorate your house, you're gonna feel inspired. If you will go on this luxury vacation, you're going to feel so inspired. If you will, right, if you will buy this car, oh, it's going to be so inspiring to you. And we all know, right, that never works. Because when the, the, the bill shows up on your credit card or if you go into debt to buy that thing, the last thing that you feel is inspired, right? You feel terrible about yourself because you've spent all your money. But they use our inspiration against us. There's something in us that desires to live inspired. You see, inspired living happens when we are regularly in God's inspired word. If you wanna live inspired, here's how you do it. Regularly get in the inspired word of God. He's breathed into it so that it might breathe into you. How in the world does this God-breathed word breathe into our lives? I used to joke in college that um, I would put my textbooks under my pillow at night because I didn't read them, but I was just hoping by osmosis that somehow information would get into my brain. And you all know that does not work in college. I have some test scores to prove that uh, to you. So how in the world does this God-breathed word breathe into our lives? 
I want to look at verse 7a. It says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. Renewing one's life. You know that you've got to read it. You have to read this instruction, this perfect word, but there's something that happens once that word starts to get into us. In Hebrews, the writer says that this word is living and it's effective, it's active, it's filled with power, and when we read it, we bring it into our life, it does something in us. And the first point I want to make to you is this, that God's word fills us when we're depleted. Because the psalmist says that it's perfect, and that word perfect literally means complete, It's whole, like it's all there. Everything you need, it's all there. It's perfect. It's sound. It's without blemish. And he tells us that it renews our lives, that it renews us. And that word, if you were to look at the the, the meaning of the root word in Hebrew, it, it really means to bring back the life. Like you had life, and then life got depleted, and then something brought it back to you to bring back the soul. And what he's saying is this, the instruction of the Lord is perfect. The word of our God is perfect, and when we get into it, it's going to breathe life back into you. It's going to renew you because it's all there. Everything you need is there. And life depletes us, doesn't it? Any parents in the room, you feel a little depleted today, right? You think, spring break, a week with our kids. Yes. When I talk to you on Friday, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm ready to go back to work, right? (laughs) Because life depletes us. It does. I was reading some uh, studies this week about decision fatigue. Apparently, in our day and age, we make more decisions in one day than people used to make in a whole year. In fact, one study found that we make 35,000 decisions in one day. I'm like, what? How in the world? They said, no, literally, from the moment you wake up to the moment you lay down, you're constantly making decisions. And guess what? That wonderful smartphone that you have in your pocket has not made it easier for you because we're constantly making tiny little decisions. And life just depletes. It just wears us out. But God's word renews us. It fills us where we're depleted. Verse 8a, it says this, the precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. That literally means that it's going to fill us with joy. That time in the instruction of God, spending time in his word will actually fill you with joy when you're depleted. The second point I want to make to you today is that God's word keeps us from being defrauded. Keeps us from being defrauded. Verse 7, if you go back and look at it, second half, he says, The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. I, uh, I have a friend who um, I've talked with several times, and he Uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, bought a truck online. 
in Miami and he sent the money. And I mean like tens of thousands of dollars. And guess what? He never got the truck. Isn't that crazy? Totally defrauded. Recently, he said, hey, I have a new girlfriend. I'm like, okay. He's like, yeah, she's, in, she's stuck in Amsterdam. Oh, really? Yeah, she just needs $600 to get through. She has, she has a bag of gold dust that when she gets here, she's going to sell it, and she'll be set financially. She won't need my help, but right now she needs my help. He showed me a picture of the girl. I said, man, I, I don't want to be rude, but that girl has no business being with a man like you, okay? So what's going on here? Guess what? There's no girlfriend, okay? Somebody got $600 and answered him. Here's the thing. We live in, a, in an age of people being, being defrauded. Scams. Not only do people defraud one another, but we live in a, a world of spiritual warfare where there is an enemy, Satan, who defrauds people. Lent is the season where we walk with Jesus for those 40 days. And what happens to Jesus during those 40 days? He fasts, he prays, and then it says Satan comes and begins to tempt him. And you know how Satan tempts Jesus? He uses the Bible. What? That'll blow up your theology. Satan uses scripture to tempt Jesus. And how does Jesus counteract this use of the Bible or misuse of the Bible? He counteracts it by using the scriptures correctly. The word of God makes simple people, foolish people like me and like you, wise. When we understand, when we begin to read, when we see the whole word, we begin to see wisdom, truth, It keeps us from being defrauded. Verses 12 through 13, David says, who perceives his unintentional sins, cleanse me from my hidden faults, meaning I don't even know. Like maybe I've sinned in some way and I have no clue, meaning maybe I've defrauded my own self. He says, look, no, if you get into the word of God, the, the, God's gonna reveal things about your own self. Have you defrauded deceived in your own heart. It keeps us from being defrauded. In verse 11, he says, your servant is warned by them. We need wisdom. You know, knowledge is information. We live in the information age. We have lots of knowledge. On my smartphone, you ask me about any topic, and in 30 minutes, I'll be ready to go because I can research that quickly. I can get all the information, but what, what we lack is wisdom. Using information correctly. God, through his word, wants to give you and I wisdom. And it keeps us from being defrauded. Third, God's word helps us where we're defeated. It helps us where, where we're defeated. Have you ever felt defeated? Maybe some of you might feel defeated today. Where you're like, man, I just feel like a total failure. 
I feel like a loser. I feel like I've just, I've just blown it again. I've, I'm just stuck. Right? I feel defeated. And God's word wants to help us where we're defeated. Verse 8, he says this. He says that the command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up, that it's, that it's clear, and, and it brightens our outlook. It, it will take those places in us that feel defeated, and when we begin to feast on the word of God, it changes our outlook, and it brightens our eyes, that it helps us when we're defeated. There are times, right, where you and I feel defeated and we go to the wrong comforts, right? We, we look for something to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves, about who we are, and we start trying different things or maybe going back to old habits or whatever it is that, that you comfort yourself with and I just want to challenge you, have you ever thought that maybe what you need in that moment is just truth? Like time in the inspired word of God that it might breathe into you. There are moments where we need Romans 8 that says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There, there are moments where you need 828 where it says all things work together for the good of those who love him. You, you need truth when you're defeated, not just comfort. It helps us when we're defeated. And in verse 10, I think this is wonderful. We see that it, it actually changes the scoreboard. He says in verse 10, they are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and they're sweeter than honey, dripping from a honeycomb. He's talking about a different scoreboard because when you feel defeated, a lot of times you're looking at a worldly scorecard or a worldly scoreboard and you're trying to kind of compare your life and yourself to what you thought or what people might think that you would be or whatever that is. And he's saying, look, no, the, the world's going to go after pleasures and it's going to go after treasures, but here's what you need to know. God's word, it's better than money and it's sweeter than honey. He changes the scoreboard and says, look, here's the good life. Here's the good life. It's here. It's in the instruction of God. Better than money and sweeter than honey. The word of God realigns us with God's scoreboard. And here's God's scoreboard, by the way. Do you believe me? Do you trust me? Will you follow me? Will you obey me? That's it. It's not how, how big is your thing that you're doing, how, how well are you at this, and, and how do you look, and, and how do you, you know, all those kinds of scorecards that we have that are worldly, God wants to realign us with his scoreboard. It's gonna breathe life into us where we feel defeated. So it fills us where we're depleted. It, it keeps us from being defrauded and it helps us when we're defeated. And today I wanna just issue a challenge to you. 
I want to challenge you to take up scripture in a fresh way this week. Some of you, you already have rhythms where you're reading. Maybe you're reading through the Bible in a year. You're reading four or five chapters a day. That's awesome. If you're doing that, keep on it. Some of you here, you're like, you know, I might read if I have time, maybe. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to read one chapter of scripture every day, Monday through Saturday. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this together. We're going to read the book of Ephesians this week. Amazing book filled with with just truth and and great theology and encouragement. It's so good. And, And it's all about living a life worthy of the calling that you've received it's amazing. We're going to read it together. So if you want to do this, I'm going to be just kind of putting some things on Facebook this week about what we're reading. But I want to challenge you. Read one chapter every day, Monday through Saturday. The second thing, right? I want you to read and I want you to meditate. Now, that's important. Because in the age of distraction. Right? You just get words and you're just knocking it out. Check it off the list, right? A whole chapter, boom, got it, got to go to work. I want you to slow down. I want you to pick a time when you can actually read it and like read it and understand it and think about it. It doesn't have to be first thing, some of you. It's first thing, praise God. Some of you are like, I need to do this at the end of the day because I can finally like get my head straight before bed. That's fine too. Find a time when you can read it, and I want you to meditate on it, and I want you to obey it using these three questions. What does it teach me about God? This is exactly what we do in our house churches. What does this passage teach me about God? Second thing, what does this teach me about me or about humanity? Third, what should I do about it? Like, what does this call for? Is it, is it to believe something that I'm not believing right now? Is it to do something that I'm not doing? What do I do in response, okay? So that's my challenge for you this week, to read, meditate, and obey the book of Ephesians. You don't have to do Ephesians with us, but one chapter per day, okay? Awesome. A few months ago, uh, my kids got into the movie National Treasure. I don't know if you've ever watched that movie before. It came out like in 2004. Nicolas Cage plays Benjamin Gates, and he's a treasure hunter, right? He's uh, kind of an amateur uh, historian, cryptologist guy, and he is trying to find a treasure that was hidden by the Freemasons. And so he's going to all the like American icons and there's clues in all of them. And he has to steal the Declaration of Independence. But then he realizes he needs special glasses. And so he has to go follow the clues and he gets these glasses. And once he finally gets the glasses, like all of a sudden he can see like this three-dimensional image of like, you know, where everything is that he's trying to find. And I was thinking about that. That you and I, you know, if, if you don't have the spirit of God dwelling within you, that this feels just like an ancient document. But when you're born again in Jesus, when you understand what Christ has done for you, that he died for you on that cross, that he literally took the wrath of the Father on your behalf, and that he, in his resurrection, offers you and me a new life, a new start, a new heart. 
when we believe in him, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, that we're born again, and it says his spirit fills us. And the spirit is called the spirit of truth, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of knowledge. And what he does is like he equips us with new eyes that when we open our Bibles, it's not just ancient words, but we see in color and dimension what God is speaking to us. So today, if you look at the Bible and it means nothing to you, I wanna encourage you, maybe your first step is to give your heart to Jesus. To trust him. I wanna close with verse 11. He says, in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. Abundant reward. If you were to look at all the passages in the scripture about reading the Bible, what you're gonna find is that it says things like, everything he does prospers. His leaf does not wither. There is an abundant reward, meaning if you will allow the inspired word of God to breathe into you daily, if you will meditate on it day and night, God will bring a blessing into you. He will reward it. He's not a respecter of persons. He's not waiting for his favorite people to do something. It's like anybody who humbles themselves and says, no, this is the word of life. The father says, yes. And in keeping them, in, in keeping, observing, holding on to his words, that's a blessing because they're better than money and they're sweeter than honey. I uh, occasionally get these little things on my social media feed or online and it says, stock tips from the guy who predicted Amazon. Have y'all seen those before? Right? If you click on this and give him $50, you'll get stock tips from the guy who knew that such and such was coming. Don't do that, by the way. It's probably a scam. We talked about being defrauded. All right, don't do that. But here is something that is a sure return. There is an abundant reward for those who will seek the Lord in his word. Okay, that's free. You don't have to pay me $50. Right? I'll tell you that right now. There's an abundant reward for the people who will meditate on the word of God. He will breathe in to you. So let's regain the wonder of God's word. Let's seek him daily in his word together. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.